Hello, everybody. This is David Pose on Matrix. This is a crazy program, this uh, Melon app. It just makes you do things, makes you jump through hoops you shouldn't have to jump through. So if you saw a black screen at the beginning of this, uh, it is what it is, okay? Uh, I won't go into everything that happened, but some stuff happened. No big deal. Uh, this series has been going good. Tonight's the last night of it. And we're, hold on. We're looking at testimonies that were given to rabbinical courts in Jerusalem, Brooklyn, New York, and Ma'al, Ma'ala. Um, I can't remember the last part. It's a little Jewish community in Israel. Um, so anyway, the rabbis have definitely come out against this injection. And, and the thing that turned the tide was when they wanted to start injecting children. Okay. You don't mess with people's children. That's all there is to it. You can mess with them, you know, their relatives, the whole nine yards. Don't mess with their children because they're going to come back at you every time. So anyway, uh, we've watched uh, four or three other um, programs where we had a whole bunch of people coming on, doctors and um, professors of science and everything else talking about how crummy this vaccine really is and how dangerous it is. And I think we all know that. Okay, if you're listening to this program, you probably know that. We've ascertained that and figured that out over the last year, at least. Um, and it will be a year, too, because the vaccine started right at the end of December of last of uh, 2020. It's 2021, almost 2022. So, um, anyway... Uh, tonight, we're going to hear from, uh, here, let me tell you real quick. You know, we have several to speak. Dr. Zelenko is going to speak again, but this time he's going to speak to a court in Jerusalem. I'm not necessarily going in order here, okay? Uh, when Dr. Zelenko speaks, you're going to see, <laughs> there, there's an old saying that if you if you ask four Jews an opinion, you'll get six answers, okay? <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that statement, and um, you're going to see a lot, of, hear a lot of confusion in the background because everybody, it seems like all the translators or all the people in the audience that are, you know, sitting there listening to the court or watching the court, whatever the case may be, they're all trying to interpret what Dr. Zelenko is saying to the rabbis in Israel. Okay. To the point where Dr. Zelenko gets kind of frustrated uh, several times, actually, and asks them in a nice way to shut up. <laughs> so... Um, you're going to hear that it's, it's aggravating, but what he says is very necessary to hear. Um, and then we're going to hear from, uh, Dr. David Wiseman, who is a, uh, oh, his credentials are amazing. When we get to him, I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, we're going to listen to Rabbi Zev Epstein for about a five minutes. And, and he talks about uh, why he's not taking a shot and why, What's wrong with it, basically? And, and summing it up in five minutes is pretty interesting. Um, then we're going to hear from a guy that named Jonathan. I don't know his last name, but he's a physical therapist, and he was finally persuaded to take the shot by his doctors and experienced a whole bunch of weird stuff. And he comes to us telling us what happened to him and basically telling us why not to get the shot. Okay? So, anyway, without further ado... Well, first of all, I want to thank, um, we have two or three ladies, four, that uh, that write regularly. 
and they um, they offer their opinions and they, they educate me sometimes. Um, and I thank you. I thank them for that. So you ladies know who you are. A couple of you support financially, which I'm very thankful for. And hopefully that'll get to be more of a, you know, a thing uh, with others too, so that we can continue to go on the air here. Um, I explained that the other day during another show, but, um, you know, when I I lived over in Crawfordsville, um, we had pretty good internet. We had uh, CenturyLink. It was 40 up and, uh, excuse me, 40 down and uh, 10 up. And, uh, or was it five? It was five up, excuse me. And uh, it worked pretty good when it worked. And that was most of the time. Uh, we had a lot of power failures out there. There was always trees that were full on power lines, trunks that were crashing into poles, drug users that were crashing into poles. The one guy tried to vandalize the box one night. What he had in mind, I have no idea. Um, but then we moved out of here. Out here, but when you move to paradise, sometimes there are some things that paradise doesn't have. <laughs> okay, one of them is uh, good internet. And until we get CenturyLink put in here, um, I have to rely on. This little baby right here. This is called a jetpack. It's a Verizon jetpack, and uh, it works really well. It really does. They give me uh, 150 gigabytes for $80 a month. But last month I went through, and I didn't even start at the first of the month last month. Uh, went through uh, 150, almost almost 250 gigabytes, so I had to get two extra lines and a whole nine yards. So uh, anything that can be given is uh, certainly appreciated. And again, thank you to already to those that are giving, so uh, already giving. So uh, anyway, uh, I thought we were going to have, I'm, I'm just kind of rambling on because we don't have much content tonight. Um, we've had a lot of snow here. <laughs> you know, we... Um, it's funny because when you have things like weather underground or that weather thing that comes with the, uh, the Apple phones, you know, and you look at it and um, it says that it's like uh, 34 degrees. Well, yeah, that's down the mountain in that little town that is at the foot of the mountain, not on the mountain, <laughs> on the mountain. It's a little colder. Uh, last night we had sleet. And uh, we started, then after that, it started to snow. That didn't really go anything. It never got cold enough for it to stick. But uh, a couple of nights before that, we had about six or seven inches, uh, which was pretty interesting, actually. I actually enjoyed that, except I tend to fall. I, don't, I fall anyway all the time. But uh, being on a slippery snow, it's not. <laughs> and I went down gracefully, I have to admit, um, three of the four times. So. Uh, you know that that was kind of nice, and uh, and most of the time nobody was around, uh, which is good and bad because if something happened, I, I would like to have somebody be around. But um, anyway, I'm pretty big, and if they see a big lump laying out in the snow, <laughs> you know, it's me. Um, anyway, um, so it, it's really been really nice. We get we have um, <clears throat> mountains all around us, and so we get to see the snow on all the mountains and all the fir trees, Douglas firs, the um, the blue spruces, uh, the pine, not the pines, God forbid, I hate pines, um, firs, lots of fir trees here. Uh, they all get this beautiful snow on them, and then they start drooping a little bit because the snow's on it. It's the most beautiful set I've ever seen. Um, 
if you ever come to Western Oregon, go to the Cascades. Uh, you, you won't be sorry. There's waterfalls all over the place. There's covered bridges all over the place. There's uh, rivers everywhere. Uh, that's in Western Oregon, that is. But, uh, you know, you'll have to put up with the, the uh, Covidians, the branch Covidians and the libtards and everything. But if all goes as everybody's saying, um, there may not be that many libtards around after all this uh, shot stuff goes on. Oh, God forbid. You know, I'd like to see everybody get saved and go to heaven. But, um, you know, it is what it is. So, um, anyway, I, I don't want to sound too macabre about things like that, you know, but it's reality. You know, it really is. Uh, people are, are, excuse the expression, dropping dead left and right, um, especially the ones that have gotten the vaccine. And I don't know how many of them have to die before the other people start realizing, the other receivers of the vaccine start realizing, oops, maybe we made a mistake. Maybe the, vac- the non-vaccinated people were right. We'll be, we'll be proved right one way or another, you know. But um, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, what else is going on? Let's see. Our governor is kind of kind of chilled out a little bit. Um, used to be she was on the news every day. Uh, I think she knows it's getting close to election time next year. So she's, or this year, actually, it'll be this year in two days. Um, so she's kind of shutting up a little bit. I don't think it's going to help her. I mean, Democrats here are even pissed at her, you know. And if an Oregon Democrat is pissed at you, I mean, they're super liberal. If they're mad at you, then you've really done something wrong. And people are just getting tired of all this. Oh, you need to put your mask on. You need to keep your mask on. You need to. Uh, six, uh, you know, say six feet apart. And do you see that thing in um, Germany? They had, they actually had soldiers walking around with yardsticks, you know, or meter sticks, I guess they call them over there. Um, three meters, which is a yard here. And they were actually measuring the distance between people. Well, I don't think the idiots ever realized that they didn't measure between them and the person that they were measuring. You know, because they were a lot closer. They have to get a lot closer to measure, right? So, I don't know. The whole world's turned upside down, and, and it's going to hell in a handbasket. But um, we will we will survive. We will prevail. I proclaim that in Yeshua's name. So, I'm going to get, uh, and then we'll have some discourse after the videos, of course. But uh, I want to get going on them because they're, they're important. Uh, the first person we're going to listen to... I better do this. We're not going to listen to anybody. <laughs> Remember that happened the other night? Okay. Okay. This guy right here, Dr. David Wiseman. This guy has credentials up the yang, yin yang. Uh, David, Dr. David Wiseman, PhD. Um, he's got a master's in, in pharmacy in science. He's. Um, Oh, and I knew I was going to forget this, so I, this is what I did. Uh, oh, great. Well, anyway, he's got a... <laughs> if anything bad can happen, it will. Um, he does have a... He's a pathologist, and I think that's um, the gland doctor. Oh, sorry, I can't remember that right now. Uh, but he's got a, he's a pathology degree in that. He's a pharmacist and a pharmacologist 
former head of research program for Johnson & Johnson. Ooh. See, we have some insiders. Uh, we listened two days ago to another insider from um, Pfizer, I do believe. He's a founder and president of a company called Sinekion. I think I'm saying that right. I probably murdered it. And he's testifying regarding the safety and the necessity of COVID-19 injections for children. Okay. So you can see there's about six videos, but I checked and they're short. So we'll just, uh, you know, hip hop around, hip hop around and, uh, and listen to his videos. And, and I think they're going to be very informative. So, um, Okay, here we go. What I'm going to give you is a, is a unique, probably somewhat of a unique perspective that you, you won't hear from others because there are very few people who have been in the sort of position that I have that have come forward in this whole pandemic to talk about this. And, and the perspective is from someone who has developed, helped to develop medical products and knows how they should be developed, uh, has had to make serious ethical, moral, and, and, and clinical decisions although I'm not a medical doctor, I'm a PhD and a pharmacist, um, uh, that uh, govern the safety of the medical products that, that, are, that are put onto the market. And uh, knowing how that process works, how it should work, how FDA should be working, uh, I can tell you with absolute certainty that what is happening now is, is absolutely not normal. Um, it seems that FDA has broken every rule um, there is. And... Um, and, and this is a huge concern. And so on this slide, which is the first slide, I'm really is the five main things that you need to know, and then we'll go into the detail. Firstly, the vaccine data, particularly for the children, um, have been unverified by the FDA. That's what they're supposed to do. They have not verified the data. They have changed the formulation, not only for Pfizer, not only the children's formulation, but the adult formulation. The risk-benefit analysis, which is the calculation of whether whether we should whether it's better to use the vaccine or not, is off by a factor of at least 26 times, and and there have been no studies to evaluate what I call radiation-like risk of cancer. Uh, we also have the problem of emerging vaccine escape variants, new variants of the of the of the of, of, of the uh, virus, <clears throat> and as I've mentioned that the drug development safeguards that I would have expected FDA to enforce strongly have complete, complete, been completely abandoned. So there's little support or any support at this point for continued vaccination and none for ma mandates. I'm going to... So the goals that I have today is to provide detailed information to the based-in that will allow the based-in, if justified, to issue the suck against the use of the vaccines, especially in children. And and more important, and as importantly, I should say, um, there are many doctors I know that have advised Jewish communities around the country, around the world, who are well-meaning and I'm sure excellent, excellent doctors. Um, but, but I'm almost certain that they have not done the level of detail and, and investigation that I have uh, into, the, into the data at the level that I've done and they're getting their information from FDA and CDC and other sources. And so it's absolutely critical that if they truly want to advise their patients and to advise Rabonim and, and, and Bate Dinim, um, that, that I will be more than happy to spend hours, days, weeks, whatever it takes 
to go through the data in great detail for them to be able to come to a decision which will then be informed so that they can inform others. Um, Eric has mentioned my background and I'm not going to discuss my uh, conflicts. Those I can provide all this to you later. This is the sort of information that's being put out. This is from the Minnesota Department of Health that they say that this, the vaccine in children has been carefully studied and it's been shown to be safe and effective. I'm, I'm going to show you that this statement, this kind of statement is, com is, is complete rubbish, frankly. Um, just to give you the magnitude of what it is that I do, um, this is these are the two main places where we find medical research papers being published. And as of last night, in this one called PubMed, the top one, there were nearly 200,000 papers. And in another one, which is a smaller one uh, called a preprint server, there, are, there were 20,000. Um, what I do on an almost daily basis is try to scan at least the titles of all these papers, there are about 400 or so every day, just to just to understand what is in the universe of being what's being discussed. From there, I'll look at more closely uh, 10 or 15 papers, and from there, one or two papers in even greater detail. But this is the magnitude of information that's being um, put out. And so a regular doctor cannot possibly do this sort of stuff. Um, and this is one of the many activities that I do in order to try and understand the pandemic as, 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 as deeply as possible. Um, some work which I'm going to just skim on very quickly is on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, where we looked at database, raw, da raw data, patient level database data from, from key studies that were used to make decisions by FDA and other uh, public health agencies. And we showed from the raw data that was missing or inaccurate analyses, which when we corrected them yielded either a 42% reduction in COVID with, with hydroxychloroquine in, in a certain study, and in another study, a 56% reduction. And these were studies that had been published in very, very eminent journals. We know that the peer review is, is completely faulty in those journals, and I can discuss that at greater length. What I'm going to show you is akin to a restaurant that you might, I hope you've never seen. Uh, and this restaurant has the highest standards of kashrut, as you can see. And, and you can see there's a note from the Bada Kashrus. And, and the note says, you know, very simply that, uh, you know, it's the, the restaurant is kosher, but our mashkiach was never there. And, uh, and not only that, the restaurant um, changed one of its ingredients, and we don't even know if that's kosher or not. You would never go to a, such a restaurant. Why would you take a vaccine that really has much the same kind of um, warning attached to it? Um, I'm going to go, go into this main issue, which is the main reason claimed for the vaccine, especially in the children, is that there's all kinds of diseases and things that can happen to children if they get COVID. And that could all be true. That could all be true. But first of all, the burden of proof is on the company to show that the vaccine is safe and effective. And secondly, and more importantly, even if it's all true, the fundamental data supporting the vaccine are completely flawed, and I'm going to show you why. Okay, that was, that was the first one, folks. We got number one done. So let's uh, move right along. He's presenting a lot of good arguments. Uh, ripping the FDA apart right now, which is good because they need to be ripped apart. They need to need to be dismantled, and uh, something else needs to be put in their place. 
there's corruption everywhere. I mean, there's been corruption in Washington uh, my whole lifetime, you know, and way before that, probably down, probably the whole time the country's been in existence, but uh, not like it is today. And um, and many of the institutions like uh, uh, the DEA, probably, I don't know if they're, they're in, that's the drug enforcement. They're probably not involved, but um, Natural Institute of Health, uh, CDC, which is not a governmental organization, by the way, and the FDA, which is, um, they're all in bed with one another, all covering each other. Um, you ever, ever watch a law thing on, you know, like um, Law and Order? <clears throat> you get a bunch of guys, one of the guy committed the problem, uh, murdered somebody or whatever, and the uh, the rest of the people are such good friends with him, they cover up for him. Maybe they were in the same fraternity in college or something, you know. And, uh, no, I was with him that night. No, he, he was okay. He wasn't there. You know, and the other one's like, yeah, yeah, I was there when he hopped in his car and he said he was going back to Brooklyn or whatever, back to his home. And so he wasn't there, you know, wasn't at the crime scene. And, you know, and that's what happens here, except they also pad each other's pockets with money. Lots and lots of money. And uh, anyway, it's a shame. Your life and my life are worth nothing to them. Um, They're only worth the research that these guys can get off of us as they use us as lab animals for just about each and every drug that they give us. Um, I had a laugh because we have something in the States here called HIPAA, um, Health Insurance Portability and Privacy Act. And... um, what it does is it protects your medical information. The only one that can see your medical information are you, your doctor, and maybe an insurance company that's paying for the, the medicine. Okay. Well, a while back, two, three years ago, I hurt my back and the doctor put me on uh, Vicodin or Norco. And he said, he told me, he says, you know, every one of these, every time you fill this prescription, a record of it gets sent up to Portland which I guess is the the holy city of drug reporting. Uh, I don't know. But um, anyway, I I said, isn't that a violation of HIPAA? Well, not really. And I'm like, yeah, really? You know, if the only people are supposed to know about it are... Now, I could see if I was on Medicare or if I was on Medicaid and they were paying for it, well, then they're the the payer. Then they they have the right to look at it. But when an insurance company is paying for it, the state has absolutely nothing to do that they should keep my hands off of my medical records. But, uh, you know, the Lord knows what they do. You know, everybody's, <clears throat> no, I don't want them to have my DNA. Have you ever stopped to think that every time that you give blood, either in the laboratory or um, in the, um, the blood bank, that maybe a little bit of that gets taken and is given to the government or where the results of, of all your blood work is sent to the government, your blood type, um, how your body's working in the whole nine yards. I have no doubt about that. And it, the plot goes even thicker, maybe, okay, there's a big maybe here, is that we know that the occultists like to work with blood because when they sacrifice children and stuff, such like that, they get supposedly get power from the enemy okay our enemy their friend or they think it's their friend anyway 
So what's to say that they're not taking our blood and using it for sacrificial purposes or for or, or drinking it for God's sakes? You know, that some of them do that, too. Um, so it's, you know, is anything safe? So in other words, if, if you're worried about have, them knowing about you, <laughs> I got news for you. They've probably known about you since you were a little child. Okay. They know what you're allergic to, what you're not allergic to. They know everything about your health. They know all the drugs that you're on. Okay. They know everything. Um, through the power of electronics now, they probably know when you're online. They probably can listen to you in your house. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of get a kick out of uh, some Christians. Oh, we don't want to go to church. You know, we want to just stay home and and have prayer sessions there. And, and some of them do that because they don't want to. In other words, if the church gets raided, they don't want to be there. Okay. There's a lot of other reasons too, but some of them are that, that read well, if they're listening to you having your prayer sessions and your worship sessions in your house, don't you think they know what you're doing there? Um, at least, you know, the Chinese, when they were persecuted or they still are being persecuted, but for the most part, the, the, the Chinese Christians are poor. So they don't have televisions. They don't have very many electronic devices so they can get out and, and do things in their homes or, you know, get out to fields and do things out there. Or if we did that, heck, you got your cell phone on you 24-7. And not just you, but everybody there probably has one. They can listen in through that. So I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but um, don't think that they don't know about you, okay? Someone once said, well, you know, why don't you join the NRA? And I says, yeah, and let them know that. I know this is kind of ludicrous, but let them know that I have guns. They already know that, okay? Um, very few guns out there are, you know, hand-me-downs or, or stuff like that, but um, they already know what you have, but I just don't want to be part of an organization that has my name, you know? I want them to do a little work if they're going to come take my, try to take my guns away, okay? Not have a list handed to them, okay? Um so that's why I don't join things like the NRA and stuff like that. I support them. I love them, but leave me out of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get back to Dr. Wiseman and see how he continues on this because he's really getting into some deep stuff, but really good stuff. You got to admit deep stuff is good stuff. Okay. Here we go. This is FDA's risk benefit analysis. Okay, and on the top left, you see that FDA estimated in one of their uh, scenarios a benefit of using the vaccine in children five to 11 years old, a benefit of six times, six times more than there was a risk. Using various calculations, which I can go into in much greater detail, we show that they were off by a factor of 26. That's a very important number, 26 times wrong. Um, so that, in fact, if you see on the bottom right side, there was there's a, a, a risk four times more than benefit. And this is a very conservative estimate. We have not included a number of other factors that we could have included. One of the factors that, um, that, that, that I find amazing that FDA did not include was this factor that in children, there there is a number, this is from the CDC, that for, 42%, a very, again, a very important number, 42% of children... Uh, have antibodies to COVID, and FDA do not even want to want to want to allow for one percent of those forty-two percent to have any sort of protection. In other words, they're not they're not just saying 
that the vaccine is 42 times better than natural um, immunity. It is infinitely better than natural immunity. That, that, I find, is an outrageous statement on many levels, and I'm sure you will as well. Um, an FDA, an ex-FDA top official, Dr. David Gortler, wrote recently that the FDA had failed in its duty to ensure vaccines are safe for children. This was a, top, a former top official of the FDA. Now, on this slide, I'm going to, on these next two slides, I'm going to show you some of the most horrendous things that you may have ever seen. And this is equivalent to the, to, to the restaurant menu that I showed you a moment ago. This is a slide, the white, the white section of, the of, of this uh, uh, slide here is, is an FDA slide, FDA's own slide. And in the bottom of the uh, slide, you can see in, in the red box, it says assay not validated, analyses not verified by the FDA. This was one of the uh, experiments that Pfizer did in order to, to, to support their claim that their children's vaccine could be used uh, in children uh, using uh, antibodies and, and using uh, trying to look at the Delta, the Delta variant of the, of the virus. And these data were not verified by the FDA. This is FDA's job. This is like the Mashkiach not being in the restaurant. This is FDA's job to, to, to validate these data, to make sure the numbers add up properly, make sure the analysis was done correctly. And in this, in this case, they used a testing method that had not even been validated. On this slide, uh, similarly, this is the experiment in children that, that uh, Pfizer has claimed shows a 90, nearly 91% efficacy against the COVID uh, in, in children. And again, in the bottom red box, this is FDA's words. These are not my words. FDA's words, they say the analyses were not verified by the FDA. At this point, the conversation really should stop because if the FDA cannot verify the analyses, then there should be no further discussion. We cannot go any further unless we know that the analyses are good, the numbers are good. If we don't know the numbers are good, we, we can't make any other assumptions or any other discussion. This is a such a fundamental point. It's like saying that the food in the restaurant was very tasty, ah, but it wasn't kosher. Okay, you can't even discuss how tasty the food was unless 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 we know that the, the restaurant was kosher to begin with. And so uh, another key point here, you see that the, the, the numbers 16 and 3 have been circled. These are the numbers out of approximately a total of 2,000 uh, children in the study. These are the numbers of children who actually got COVID and, and, and not even severe COVID, just mild cases of COVID. So you can see with these small numbers, 16 and 3, you don't have to make much of a mistake for those numbers to change. And so for the effectiveness to be, to be reduced greatly from 91%, even down to zero. So this is a very fundamental point. And so this, again, is akin something like having a label on a car seat a uh, children's car seat that says that the car seat is 91% effective in reducing children's automobile accidents, injuries, but the government have not tested our uh, checked our testing. The testing we did was with a different car seat from the one we're selling you. And the government agrees with us that the changes in the car seat are minor, even though we have not done any crash dummy tests on the new car seat. Um, this slide, which I don't, I'm not gonna go into great detail, but using, using Pfizer's own numbers, Pfizer's own numbers, uh, which, which I've repeated from an earlier slide, um, those, uh, those numbers show that FDA have overestimated the number of cases that they say 
that the children's vaccine will prevent. They've overestimated them actually by nearly uh, between uh, 2.25 and nearly three times. These are using Pfizer's own numbers. This is very simple maths, which I can review later. Now, you've heard the the term double-blinded randomized study. And and what that means that everyone in the study, the the, the patient, the doctors giving the drug, the doctors assessing the the outcome in the patient and so on, all of these people should be blinded. They should not know what the patient received in order to have a very fair experiment. And and, um, in fact, this study was not double-blinded. It was something called observer-blinded. Okay, I'm not going to go into the details of that, but it means that the person who gave the injection actually knew what the what the injection was, whether it was a placebo or whether it was a vaccine. And that could influence very, very significantly the 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 uh, how um, patients become excluded from analysis. That's something that happens often in in clinical trials. And we have to make sure that the exclusions are fairly balanced. But in fact, on this slide, you can see in the red circles, the 47 and the four numbers c- circled, those are, those are, that's a very, very great imbalance in the people being excluded from the analysis um, from the vaccine group and the placebo group. And because the uh, administrator was not blinded, this imbalance could have been a, a bias, even an unintentional one. I'm not saying that they did it deliberately, but an unintentional bias Okay, that could change. Remember the 16 and the three number that I showed you a moment ago. So this is a very, very serious problem. And, 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 and this should have been dealt with in a normal standard way with something called an ITT intention to treat analysis. It doesn't matter what that is, but doctors will know what that means. Um, now, the, the fact that this was observer blinded and not double blinded is actually clearly stated in some of the documents uh, in, in this uh, that I'm showing you here. But in fact, FDA still maintain that it is double blinded. They don't even realize that it is observer blinded. So they don't even beginning to look for this sort of bias. Um, then this is the similar study in the adults. We have a similar problem in the adult uh, Pfizer vaccine, where this is also observer blinded. Um, but FDA doesn't seem to realize that. Wow. <clears throat> There's a there's a phrase. It's used in scripture. Um, I can't remember the name of it. But it means basically means dumb on purpose. Okay, you ever been around somebody? You know they, you say something, they go, I didn't hear that, or you know, you, um, you say they say something, or you say something, I didn't hear that. You know, that's being dumb on purpose. Okay. Um, you ever see a, a gangster up on the witness stand? I do not recall. I do not recall. I don't remember. I do not recall. It's every question that he gets asked or she, you know, that's being dumb on purpose. <clears throat> and uh, that's what's going on here. The FDA is being dumb on purpose. Yeah, they knew what was going on. They just don't want any paperwork that leads back to them to show that they didn't know what was going on. But uh, they didn't do a good enough job because the paperwork is coming back, right? Uh, Dr. Mitt Wiseman has found it. <laughs> he's, he's tearing it apart. He's dismantling the FDA with just a few words. Man, I like this guy. Okay, let's go to the third one, okay? Now, in terms of safety... 
there were very few, few number of patients in the safety study, and they had a very short follow-up. This is a very concerning issue. Um, there were missing data. This is you've heard about myocarditis and the and the heart um, heart uh, inflammation that that is being associated with with the, with the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. Pfizer said they would do this kind of study. They have not provided the 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 data for it. This is to look at levels of something called troponin or troponin, which is a a a, a chemical marker of heart uh, damage, and they have not provided this information. A, a, uh, another scientific um, paper came out, uh, uh, I think, in the last few days, showing that in subjects, in people now, adults now from uh, 28 to 97 years old, using other measures of heart damage, um, they assessed that there could be even a uh, nearly a two and a half times greater risk of someone developing a what they call a, a acute coronary syndrome, which which is a sort of a fancy word that includes heart attack and other things uh, in the next five years. This, this is shocking. This is absolutely shocking. So this points to the safety, the long-term safety in not just children, in adults now. FDA knew that there were problems in children uh, with the Moderna vaccine, and, but they did, they, they did nothing about it until after they had approved or authorized the Pfizer children's vaccine, shown on this slide. One of the most outrageous comments comes from Dr. Eric Rubin, who is a voting member on the FDA advisory panel, who said, we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is until we start giving it. This was on October the 26th. And he said, we're never going to learn. Well, perhaps Dr. Rubin, the very next morning, um, perhaps while he was eating his bacon and eggs, must have choked on, on, on this article that appeared in his journal, of which he is the editor in chief, um, on the safety of the Pfizer vaccine, according to age and sex. And what we were able to do, and by the way, note that this uh, New England Journal of Medicine and, and the group of journals that it um, is part of is sponsored by, among others, Pfizer. But we were able to get that data um, from, the, from the paper and combine it with other data and, 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 and provide support that, um, that the risk-benefit analysis the FDA showed two days earlier uh, for the Pfizer vaccine was, was in fact was in fact wrong, um, and so the, the the delay of this publication is 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 really coincidental if you believe in that type of coincidence. We have found that there are three pools, and actually there's really five now, which I have to correct. There are there are several pools of vaccine associated deaths, and we've calculated them these in different ways, and others have gone done different calculations and come to similar types of numbers. But we see among the non-deaths um, non, uh, um, that are not COVID-related, but among the vaccinated, we estimate there's between, in the United States, between 20 and 60,000. Uh, among the vaccinated, there are deaths, um, the, the COVID-related deaths among the vaccinated, between 25 and 65,000. There are, there are non-vaccinated um, deaths that have caused from, from infection or transmission from the vaccinated, and then we even have all-cause mortality, which is now, which is now a very concerning uh, set of data, which I'll go into a bit later on. The va Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, shows here the number of deaths. This is only for, um, oh, sorry, this is for, uh, this is for everyone, I, think, I believe. Um, shows that um, in the 30 years, this is only showing 10 years, but in the 30 years that this system has been in existence, 
the number of deaths in the COVID in the 2021 period, the number of deaths associated, uh, we can't say caused, but associated with the COVID vaccines is, is greater than all other deaths reported for all other vaccines for all other years. You cannot say this is normal. We have also, um, the, the group that I'm part of, have analyzed these, uh, these reports in different ways and compared the, uh, the, 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 the number of times different kinds of uh, events occur more than they occur, say, for flu vaccines. And you can see here, this is actually looking at 12 to 17-year-olds, but the numbers are good for uh, or bad for all other ages as well. In fact, some cases worse. That 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 the the, the types of these types of uh, categories of events could it could go from anywhere from 22 to 68 times more than you would expect to see uh, for flu vaccines when you take into account the number of actual doses being given, and then we drill into the detail a bit further and we see by more particular type of event menstrual and uh, menstruation and uterine bleeding disorders 722 times more than we see in flu myocardial. Uh, events over three and a half thousand. This is, again is in the 12 to 17 year old range. So these are startling numbers. We call this post-COVID vaccine syndrome because, because there's so many things going on and we have to acknowledge them as being part of a, of a major problem here. Interesting, very interesting. <clears throat> there's nothing like a statistician. This guy's amazing. Okay, two more to go folks, right? Pregnancy is a really huge issue, and, and this is one of the most, to me, the most disgusting aspects of this. This uh, statement in the, in the white box is the statement in the package insert from the, um, from, from the FDA that's a, a, approved by the FDA uh, for the Cominati, which is the Pfizer vaccine, that it says that the uh, risks in pregnancy, uh, we, we don't know uh, what the risks in pregnancy are. We have no idea, Okay. Um, that's the official thing that anyone is allowed to say. They cannot say that this is safe in pregnancy. They can only say this statement. However, the CDC are conducting studies where their protocol says there is an urgent need to monitor the safety of these vaccines in pregnancy. If there is an urgent need, why, CDC, are you, are you telling patients, telling women, strongly recommending them, that they use this, these vaccines before or during pregnancy if you cannot tell me what the safety is and if you acknowledge there is an urgent need. Not only that, not only that, they, they are conducting these studies and they have requested to waive the requirement to obtain informed consent or parental permission. So in other words, women are being encouraged to part, pregnant women or soon to be pregnant women are being encouraged to take the vaccine and to essentially be subjects of an experiment they don't even know they are part of. If, if that doesn't shock you, if that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get to the core of your heart, I don't know what does. Menstrual disorders, uh, we are seeing more and more uh, reports, and I know in the Jewish community there are many reports, uh, especially um, related to Hilchus Nida, um, that there are menstrual disorders. And, and only recently have NIH started to, to, started to study these. I, I contacted a colleague in, uh, in another country, a very eminent gynecologist um, last night, and, and he confirmed that, yes, he is seeing a lot of these kinds of issues, and, but uh, many of his colleagues are simply in denial as, that, that they're really happening. But he is seeing lots of that. Um, <clears throat> cancer. 
this is an, another outrageous statement that that the that the that the Pfizer um, vaccine has not been evaluated for the potential to cause cancer or or uh, or or um, genotoxicity or impair or the impairment of male fertility. This is this is this is outrageous. Um, especially that that this type of uh, product is considered what is called a gene therapy product by the FDA. And that is something that was acknowledged explicitly by Moderna in one of their financial reports last year. And why that is important is because the FDA has a guidance document that says that there should be a, a between a five and a 15 year long term follow up in these kinds of um, studies for autoimmune diseases and cancers and other things for gene therapy products. No one knows about this. This is being kept a, a secret. But but th but again, this points to the, the complete um, disregard and dereliction of duty by FDA uh, to, as their duty to protect the, the, the health of the public. <clears throat> uh, there are a number of studies that have come out of Israel that uh, Israel being one of the first countries to, to have uh, high levels of vaccination among the population. Um, there are many studies now, about five or six, I think, uh, mostly in the New England Journal of Medicine, not all, um, that, that are being used to justify FDA and other around the world decisions regarding the vaccines and the booster doses. And, 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 but there is a common problem with all of these studies. Uh, I mean, there are several common problems. One of them is this paper here, uh, which is a little more complicated to, to go into, but, but all these studies suffer from a statistical problem called selection bias due to informative, informative censoring. Okay, what this means is that the estimates of, of efficacy that, they, that they've shown of 90% or whatever could, could be reduced to, again, close to zero, simply because of the way the study was conducted and because of biases, meaning errors that could creep in because of the way the study was conducted. Okay, the, the errors could come down to zero. This is a very, very serious problem the FDA do not want to acknowledge and the Israeli Ministry of, of Health do not want to acknowledge We've, we've presented this to them as well. Um, this is one of the papers, the Dagan paper, in the, uh, and this is data produced by my friend and colleague, uh, Hervé Seligman, and, and he showed the, in the blue uh, lines here that, the, in the, that there was an increase, uh, an initial a smaller amount of, of, um, of cases in this Israeli study, uh, which, 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 which speaks to a selection bias right there, but that was quickly corrected because in the blue, the blue lines go up very, very quickly and exceed the red lines. Um, and, and it shows that there's a very big problem in, in the way this study was done. Another calculation which, which uh, Dr. Seligman did, and I've confirmed with him, we've, 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 um, we've uh, tined up and, or refined our analysis here, is, is, that, uh, is that we show here in the gray box in the, in the, in the bottom there, um, there are several scenarios. But this is the, the deaths, in, deaths that are occurring among the vaccinated based on the Israeli data uh, in, in, the United, in the United States, at least until um, about uh, March or April. They could be higher than this. But our conservative estimate was that there was 35,000 deaths among the vaccinated. That was also sent to the New England Journal of Medicine, who didn't want to publish that. Cover up, cover up, all is a cover up. All right, let's go to the fifth and last one. As Mr. Wiseman probably will be summing things up. Um, now we have the, the problem of booster doses. 
And now FDA have just in the last few days authorized booster doses for, for everyone over 18. This is what happens when you start to booster dosing. This is what happened in Israel. The red lines show that after the, after the mid-July period, the number of cases skyrocketed soon after the initiation of the booster program. In comparison, the, the blue lines is what happened in the same period last year where there was a slight increase in cases, but it subsided very quickly. Here, we've looked at the, the Misrod Habriot, the Israeli Ministry of Health data in much closer detail. And on the left, we see the severe cases. On the right, we see uh, deaths. And you see that the black line, which is the vaccinated uh, groups, um, uh, goes up at a certain time. If you look at the dotted line, the dotted line represents the, the, the number of uh, booster of booster doses uh, being given. Um, there was a, an initial period where there was new second doses of people that had never been vaccinated before. That's the small area in, in the beginning of the graph. But then it goes up very quickly when the booster doses uh, were, were given. And you see the startling thing that the red line, which means the people who are vaccinated more than six months earlier, the red line goes up quickly, more quickly, more sooner than the black line. Why is that, why is that the case? If those people were protected, okay, it, sh it should have been the other way around. We do see some small protection in the green line, which are the people that were boosted or the, or the newly vaccinated people. Okay, but what this is what this is telling you, and, and we had to dig into the data to actually dissect it this way. The Ministry of Health didn't present it this way, which obscures the real picture. And the real picture is showing you here that the, 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 the vaccination after about six months or even less than that is basically completely useless. And probably the booster dose, while being a while being somewhat helpful, is probably only temporary. And so <clears throat> the data that were presented on Friday at the CDC uh, on booster dosing, again, we don't even know the FDA uh, 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 checked this out, but this is my analysis that I did Friday, Erev Shabbat, that shows that the, 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 in this new boosted study, the people either in the vaccinated or unvaccinated were three or three and a half times worse off uh, in, in the booster scenario than they were in the original scenario where, the, where no one had had a, a vaccine to begin with. And so this is another piece of evidence that the booster dosing or the, or the vaccination program is getting weaker and weaker. And, and this is an important slide because I tried to capture what this means in, in, in everyday language. And so the booster dosing, in my opinion, is an immunological equivalent of heroin addiction. An immunological equivalent of heroin addiction. And everyone knows that, that you know, someone who is ad addicted to heroin, you have to give them more and more doses, more and more frequently um, in order to, 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 to get over their addiction. And so we're attempting to boost our way out of way of waning immunity, ever more vaccine resistant virus variants, a, a, a deselection of natural immunity, an increase uh, and, an, and, a, and a problem of having unevaluated risks of cumulative dosing. Oh, this is another slide from Dr. Hervé Seligman showing you that there is a, a, a period of about four to 24 weeks after, after, after uh, vaccination shown in the blue sections where there is a benefit shown in the blue sections, but before that up to about four weeks. And after that, from 24 weeks, there's a detriment in terms of all cause mortality, not just COVID mortality, all cause mortality. And that's reflected in the top left box where this is even in children who are not vaccinated. So there appears to be a, an issue of vaccination of the population in general on all-cause mortality. 
And I'm now seeing several other analyses of different kinds done, done in different ways that, that seem to be uh, confirming this picture. This is extremely concerning. Lastly, I want to talk about the new formula. This is also con concerning. FDA have authorized Pfizer's vaccine to be, their formulation to be changed in, in everyone over 12 years old for that vaccine. And all they've done to show that the, that, the, that the new formula is the same as the old formula are laboratory tests, chemistry kinds of tests. That is not acceptable. Okay, that is not acceptable. And I can tell you that as someone who's been in this situation many times, that small changes in formulations could make a big change in how these vaccines work biologically. That's right. And, and FDA and Pfizer on this slide confirmed that this, all the studies that were done in children, in fact, even in adults, were done using the old formulation. So we have no real studies of any kind that show us how well the new formulation works in children or in adults, either from a safety or an efficacy point of view. And, and, and there are several reasons why it could change safety and efficacy. First of all, they claim that the, the stability of the product is improved. If you improve the stability of the product, it means you could actually be giving them a higher effective dose because previously some doses were actually being degraded because of poor storage conditions. And so now more people may be getting a higher dose, which could increase perhaps their efficacy, but increase their, their safety problems. And here, chemistry-wise, is another reason uh, why the new buffer could actually change how these lipid nanoparticles uh, distribute around the body. And that again could change safety and efficacy. These are fundamental questions. If I was running this project and I've been in this type of situation, okay, I would have expected that Pfizer would have done certain types of animal and, and other kinds of studies in anticipation of questions to the FDA. They've either not done them or they have done them, but they're, but, but they're not reporting them. I find that completely amazing. Um, F F Pfizer have been um, less forthcoming in their data. This is a freedom of information request given in, in, uh, in Europe, and you can see that the data provided were highly redacted. These are pages of, of some of many where da whole data tables in some case cases have been blacked out. We are not being told what we need to know on a scientific basis to be able to evaluate fully what's going on here. FDA asked a federal judge just last week to grant them until 2076, that's 55 years, to fully release co Pfizer's COVID vaccine data. 55 years. That, that is how ridiculous this is. What, are they, what have they got to hide? And so lastly, um, there's a pasuk in the, the Haftorah for Pashas Vayetze uh, that says, Zohre Adam Agalim Yishakim. Those who kiss calves is like sacrificing humans. And you know that the word vaccine comes from the word vaca, cow, because of the invention of the vaccine by 200 years ago from the discovery that cowpox, uh, milkmaids exposed to cowpox were protected against smallpox. So the word vaccine comes from the word cow. And so quite literally, I believe that the world is worshipping the vaccines. They're worshipping the cow, so to speak. And the, and the Pasuk from, from the Haftorah says, those who those who worship those who kiss cows are like those who sacrifice human beings thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to you and um and um at the end of the day uh despite our best efforts we can only trust that we're guided by kodesh baruch Hu and that he'll give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to to bring about refuah to the world with a kiddush hashem thank you
Amen and amen. <clears throat> All right, folks, that was interesting, huh? I love data. Data, data, data. Give me more data. Wow. Especially the last part, you know. Pfizer's done all these things, but they don't report them. They want their new vaccine okayed, but they don't tell the FDA what's in it. That's weird. It's criminal, actually. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Without further ado, I love saying that. Without further ado... Let us go to the Brooklyn Rabbinical Court. I think that's where I want to go. That's where I am now. Never mind. Jerusalem Rabbinical Court. This is a very interesting, um, this is that Dr. Zelenko again. He speaks before the Rabbinical Court in Jerusalem. And um, like I said earlier, this is maybe a little annoying to some people. And the reason that it's going to maybe be that way is that there are a bunch of people that try to translate into Hebrew from English what Dr. Zelenko was saying. Uh, there's the main interpreter, who seems to be a pretty good guy, but then there's a female in there that's trying to, you know, to uh, interpret. Uh, I think she's just a, a member listening, but she's trying to interpret. And there might be a couple of others in there, too, and Dr. Zelenko has to basically tell them, you know what? I, I got to have just one person talk. I can't talk to, you know, five people at the same time. And um, anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, play this. And I think it's fairly long, but uh, he explains quite um, literally what the vaccine is all about. The dangers of the vaccine, especially to children. Okay, here we go. Um be ready for a lot of confusion. Um, Hebrew and English. Okay. Well, that's interesting. My name is Dr. Zev Zelenko, and I am a family uh, medicine doctor, a general practitioner. And for, and for the last 20 years, I've been a doctor in Curious Joel in upstate New York with the Satra community. In March of last year, the Satra community had the biggest and the first and the biggest outbreak of COVID in America. Say it again. Can you, can you, try, try. Can you repeat what you said? The Satra community in Curious. Yeah. Last year in March, um, Curious Joel had the biggest outbreak and the first outbreak in America of COVID-19. And I I'm the I'm the main doctor for Curious Joel, and we had thousands of patients with COVID and no treatment. Back in last March, there was no treatment except respirators. So well, just a second. Continue. I did I did research and I can explain and document everything, but because of time I want to make it the kitzer. I did research and I developed a treatment that is based on three principles. 
It's called the Zelenko Protocol, and this is what it is. Just a I second. selected. Just a second. Just a the protocol is based on three simple ideas. One is to identify high-risk patients. This virus... This virus does not kill people equally. In America, the high-risk population has a 7.5% rate of death. The high-risk patients are those that are older, above the age of 60, or have medical problems any age. That's principle number one, to identify the high-risk patients. Principle number two is to start treating early as possible and not to wait until the infection uh, begins to cause complications. And the way the virus works is, it's really two diseases. It's the viral infection in the first week, and then there's the inflammation, the unhealthy or abnormal inflammation that leads to blood clots and lung damage. It is, it is extremely important to treat patients within the first five days of symptoms. And my data showed, which was published in a peer-reviewed international journal, an 84% reduction in hospitalization and death in high-risk patients if you treat them in the first five days. Now, okay. my, my observation, can I please talk? My observations have been reproduced dozens of times by world-class researchers from Harvard and Yale and Baylor and other countries. So to give you an understanding of what this means, in America, we have 600,000 dead. We could have prevented 520,000 from dying. Now, early treatment in March was only hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. That's what I came up with, and that's what I used in the first wave with 3,000 patients. What was the second drug? Uh, hydroxychloroquine. Azithromycin. Azithromycin. Okay. 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 Okay.
אז זה סוג של אנטיביוטיקה. Why was the need for any vaccination later? Why wasn't that's a very that's a very good question. And do you have any answer for the judges? Uh, yeah, I, I will I, I will answer you every single question. I just want to explain that right now there are ten different treatments that could be used in the first five days. Uh, whether it's hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, steroids, blood thinners, Luvox, colchicine, monoclonal antibodies. There are many, many options of how to treat a patient. However, the most important thing is to treat high-risk patients within the first five days. So it means that today there is something like 10 treatments that are used that you can use, that don't include the vaccines. אבל שהדבר הכי חשוב זה לזהות את החולים בסיכון גבוה ולטפל בהם בימים הראשונים. Yeah, I heard you. It's very hard for me to answer when so many people are talking. Well, judges are puzzled. How come? And if you have so many alternatives, was it uh, approved by other health authorities? So I was the first. We now have over 1,500 physicians um, around the world, some of them from the top universities, Um, in the world who are now teaching their students in, in this protocol. This protocol was testified at the United States Senate hearing of the Department of Homeland Security. And it was testified before Senator Ron Johnson that the Zelenko approach is the solution to pre-hospital management of COVID. Now, the, Wait, why... Just a second. הוא אומר שכיום יש כבר 1,500 רופאים ברחבי העולם שמלמדים את הגישה שלו, ושהוא גם העיד בפני הסנאט בארצות הברית 
לגבי הפגישה שלו, הפרוטוקול שלו, של שלושת הדברים שהוא אמר. קונטיניו. זה כנראה חלק מהעשרה... Is vitamin D part of his ten options? What? Is vitamin D part of his... Yes, of course. Yes. I gave my protocols to Bibi Netanyahu and um, Minister Litzman and the entire Ministry of Health 13 months ago. הוא אומר שהוא נתן את הפרוטוקול הזה לראש הממשלה ולשר הבריאות ולמי עוד לפני 13 חודשים. זה היה בידיהם, האופציה הזאת כבר הייתה בידיהם. Um, I got just no, not nominated for the Nobel Prize and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in America. They have to understand that people are beginning to recognize this approach. There was a lot of opposition to it, and that's a good question why, but right now the truth is coming out. <laughs> והוא גם אומר שכרגע ההכרה בפרוטוקול שלו הולכת וגדלה והוא לא מבין למה לפני זה היא לא הייתה. Now, regarding the vaccines, we have to look at it from two perspectives. One, is it safe? Two, does it work? And then number three, do we need to use it? Those are all important questions. הוא שואל לגבי החיסון, האם זה בטוח, האם זה עובד, והאם בכלל אנחנו צריכים להשתמש בו. אוקיי? Now, these vaccines are not approved at all by the FDA. They have emergency use authorization. The judges say that they understand that the vaccine reduces So first of all, according to the VAERS system, which stands for the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which is a government system in America, there have been 5,000 deaths already from the vaccines. And there's a 2009 Harvard study that shows that only 1% of these events are actually reported. All right, just a second, it's important. הוא ממשיך דברים שגם אני אמרתי קודם, הוא מעודכן יותר, הוא אומר שנכון להיום כבר יש דיווחים על חמשת אלפים מתים בארצות הברית מהחיסון, וידוע נעשה מחקר 
שמערכת הדיווח הזאת, שבה אליה הגיעו חמשת אלפים, משקפת רק אחוז אחד מהמספרים המתים, אז אנחנו מדברים בעצם על חצי מיליון. מתו בסמיכות לחיסון, זה מעלה, אבל אתה, כאשר אתה עושה ניסוי, וכאשר זה קורה זמן קצר אחרי תרופה, אתה אומר שזה קשור לתרופה, עד שאתה יכול להוכיח אחרת. אולייט, קונטיניום. historically to produce a vaccine to test it to see if it's safe and if it works is 10 years this vaccine was brought to human use after nine months of development I'm not saying this vaccine is good or bad I'm saying that that it's too early to tell, there's a big svekus about it, Stay and when... Okay, let me tell you, let me tell you what's a vadai and what's a suffix. The vadai is, according to the CDC, 99.998% of children will recover from COVID with no treatment. All right, so that's a vadai. Okay, um, COVID is safer in children than influenza virus. Why would I immunize children under the age of 18 with an experimental gene therapy that has only spakers around it? אז למה שאני אחסן ילדים מתחת לגיל 18 בניסוי גנטי שיש לי לגביו הרבה ספקות? So, all I'm saying is, especially since the children all recover, there's no medical necessity for them to get an experimental treatment for no good reason. כלומר שאין שום, אין כל הצדקה רפואית לתת להם את זה, את הניסוי הזה, מילא הם היו סובלים מזה, אבל אין שום הצדקה לתת להם את זה מבחינה רפואית. In my opinion, in my opinion, anyone who immunizes a child is guilty of crimes against humanity and mass murder because the vaccinations have killed more children than COVID. Okay, he says that יותר פוגע בילדים מאשר שיכולו אוקיי, okay, זה גם דברים שאנחנו ראינו בישראל, ובלידיעתנו אומר ש-8 עד 24 אחוז 
מנשים שמחוסנות בשליש הראשון יאבדו את ה... I will provide documentation and evidence for every single one of my words, but uh, I, I want them to know that, but I also want them to know I'm a Chabad Hasid, um, I have eight children, and I take a basin seriously. He wants to know what about the, the, the rest of the second trimester and third trimester pregnancies. Way too early to know that. Now, let's talk about other groups. According to the CDC in America, anyone who's under the age of 45 has a 99.95% chance of recovery with no treatment, if they're healthy. Why would I, why would I immunize a, a demographic that has a near 100% chance, even the older people, of, of recovery. Now, another, another question. Why would I immunize anyone who had COVID and has antibodies? Another question. If, if I take um, a, the high-risk group that has a 7.5% chance of dying, at least in America, I don't know in Israel, um, and I could reduce that risk by, prop, by prophylaxis and proper treatment to less than a half a percent, why would I give them an experimental gene therapy? Now, the lockdowns, the response to COVID in America has killed more people than COVID. The suicide rates in many parts of this country in America are up 600%. Child abuse and spousal abuse is the real magaifa. I'm trying to translate what you just said about in times of hardship, uh, go to your room and hide until things are 
clearer until until everything is safe for them. So the problem with that is that it doesn't work. That it, because the, a person's immune system, the way it stays healthy is by interacting with other people. If you isolate yourself, you weaken the immune system. The states in America that have the lowest death rate are Florida and Texas, and they have no masks and they're open. The other problem with lockdown is many people are not getting routine health care like cancer screening, diabetes, and heart care that usually they don't have to die from, but now they're not getting good care or care in time, and there's a lot of death because of that. The, econ the economic disaster, the, the, the money and the resources that people's families have lost has caused tremendous amount of psychological trauma. Now, they asked me why I think this is happening, and I'm going to give them a teretz, but it's going to be a teretz, a teretz. This is not a new problem. What, what, what is happening is a mochama between two systems of belief. One system... Wait a second. Right. One is that one is that Hashem is the, is the king. He gives life. He protects. And our Imuna and Abodh Hashem is the best Shmira. That's one. Okay. The second, the second system. All right, and the second is belief that uh, Paro believes that he's God, or George Soros or Bill Gates or Bibi Netanyahu or whoever, and they believe that it's the government and Koichas of Bas of Adam that are the best Shemira. I think, I believe personally, that Hashem is testing each human, each person to see if he's going to bow down to the Eivishter or bow down to Basavadam. 
השם עכשיו עושה מבחן לאנשים, ואנשים צריכים לבחור אם בצד הזה או בצד הזה. affected every single human being to such a degree that they don't interact with families, they don't go and, and are part of religious life, what they've become withdrawn and isolated. And that is the tool of the, of the bad people that are trying to control humanity. <laughs> כדי לגרום לאנשים להתרחק מהמשפחות שלהם, לפחד, להתרחק מלא ללכת לטקסים דתיים, להישאר בבית ולפחד, הפחד שולט בהם. I want to tell them something. I have cancer, I have one lung, I'm on chemotherapy, and I see patients with COVID with no mask. הוא אומר שהוא חולה סרטן, ושיש לו ריאה אחת, והוא על כימותרפיה. And that's because I take a prophylaxis, I take medicine to prevent. Let me tell them how this works. The main... virus killer is zinc. Translate. Zinc inhibits, zinc inhibits a virus, uh, an enzyme called RNA-dependent RNA polymerase, which the virus, RNA virus, is used to replicate. The problem, the, the, pro, the problem is, for biochemical reasons, the zinc does not get into the cell, because the zinc has a charge and the cell is uh, lipophilic or, or like cholesterol. So it cannot get into the cell where the virus is and where the enzyme is. Okay. So, So what we need to do is help this zinc get into the cell. It's like a gun and a bullet. A bullet without a gun doesn't work. A gun without a bullet doesn't work. You need the two together. So hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, EGCG, which is another over-the-counter option, quercetin, which is also another over-the-counter option, all those substances are different types of guns, but they all have the effect of getting zinc into the cell. So it's, it's, it's incredibly important to kill the virus or reduce the virus in the first five days because... After five days, there's an exponential explosion of virus, and then there is a release. The immune system attacks the virus, releases uh, dangerous chemicals called cytokines, which leads to destruction of the lungs and blood clots. So, 
במצב של דלקת בגוף, וזה מה שיוצא בבדיקת המחלה. דוקטור זלנקו, we'll have to finish this interview shortly. אוקיי. Okay. I treated myself 6,000 patients um, with COVID, we only had three died. הוא טיפל ב-6,000 חולים בקורונה, ומתוכם רק שלושה נפטרים. אני רוצה להגיד לכבוד הדיינים, אני רוצה לחדד. Is there anything else you would like to say before we end? Yes, I have what to say. The Pfizer CEO gave an interview and said that Israel is the biggest laboratory in the world. I thought we were done with Mengele, but now I see that the current Israeli government and Ministry of Health is a Gilgul of Mengele. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. And I hope he translated that because it was very, very important. <clears throat> Comparing the Ministry of Health, uh, Netanyahu, I think was still Prime Minister at the time, maybe not, maybe it was Bennett. Um, Comparing them to Mengele is a very important thing to do. It's a, it's an opinion swear, so to speak. So, okay. So we all know who Joseph Mengele was, and uh, we know what he did. And it's exactly what uh, Pfizer is doing to Israel now. So I really wish we could find out who is like the, um, who gives the marching orders to Pfizer. You know, where do they get, who's the top dog? Who is the unseen person that that talks to Pfizer, that talks to Biden, um, that talks to the, uh, the head of the CDC, the head of the FDA, and some of the top officers of all those, those, those um, associations? Who is that person? If, if it's Soros, then I can understand the evil, you know, it, But is it a consortium of different people? Is it a group of bankers? Is it the Club of Rome? Is it the, uh, the Bilderbergers? Is it the um, Illuminati, the head of the Illuminati? Is it the, uh, the Masons? You know, and sometimes when um, in, in warfare, and one of the things that the British had uh, angst with with the, uh, with the colonists Uh, back in the Revolutionary Wars, the colonists were not afraid to shoot officers. It, it, was, it was very um, unorthodox in warfare to shoot officers at that time. Uh, there was kind of a camaraderie with whatever army you were in. If you were an officer, you were, you were the cream of the crop. You know, you were the, the cat's meow. And um, they usually went untouched. But um, the, the um, colonists started to shoot officers and... Uh, That wasn't kosher, so to speak, uh, according to the British. But um, what it did is it caused the, the, the soldiers that were below the officers to go into a disarray. Okay. It's like, um, it's like if you kill the head, the rest of the body dies, so to speak, you know. And so we're going after, right now it seems like we're going after the, the minor fish, uh, You know, some of the big fish are going after, you know, Fauci's kind of a mid-level mid fish. Um, Biden's a little higher. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's people in the CDC and the, um, 
FDA and stuff that are even higher than in the in the food chain than um, than Biden and uh, Fauci. But um, and then then there's the the, uh, the elite and uh, you know I know the military is not happy with what's going on and uh, but I don't understand why if somebody knows who these people are. You know, why can't an errant cruise missile just take one of them out, you know, or all of them out for that matter? You know, you got to cut off the head so that the rest of the body dies. Um, Yeah, you can shoot the heart, but you can miss the heart. But if a good headshot will, you know, just uh, speaking militarily wise, okay, as a figuratively, not literally, um, is what does it. Okay, I don't want anybody to go out there and shoot any of these people and say that I told them to do it, because I'm not saying that. I'm just using um, an allegory. So, there was a, um, there was a, uh, a cartoon I saw years ago. It was in a, um, a creationist magazine, and or actually a creationist book, and it showed two castles. And above the uh, evolutionist castle, there was uh, all these balloons like the Scopes Trial, um, you know, everything that you could think of with evolution, you know. And above the Christian one, there was um, everything you can think of, not Christian, but the creationist one. There is everything that you could think of for creationism. And those are all balloons that were flying in the castles. Well, the, the, uh, the, the, evolutionists let me start it over here the creationists were shooting at the balloons okay they were shooting up at the balloons the evolutionists were shooting down at the christian castle at the foundation okay so we need to go after the foundation and the foundation of of this whole thing are the higher-ups okay you kill the body you kill the head the rest of the body dies okay go get those guys Bring them to a military court, um, find them guilty, and execute them. Because you know dang well they're guilty, right? Okay. Enough for that byline. <laughs> um, so let's go back. And we've got a couple more that I want to listen to, okay? The first one we're going to listen to is a guy named um, <laughs> Zev. And uh, Zev is uh, looks he's a rabbi and he's telling why he's not going to take the vaccine. I'm assuming he's telling it to his congregation because he's behind a lectern here. And uh, so let's see what he has to say and the reasons why he's not going to take it. And then this fellow down here named Jonathan, I uh, don't have a last name, is a uh, he's got a master's in um, physical therapy. And he was persuaded after being harassed or harangued for for a long time by doctors, finally took the vaccine, or it's not a vaccine, excuse me, finally took the death jab, um, and he had some problems. So listen to him. But let's go with this this fellow first, Mr. Zev. You could drive a truck through this study. The guys, the doctors have pushed to the tzayach. I do not know uh, how a Rav can make a medical statement like that. This is infanticide. This is murder. I do not know if the Rabbanim are prepared to face the consequences. If you would only see a little bit of what's happening there, I guarantee you, you would say that Stein and were great tzaddikim compared to that. My name is Rav. Okay. 
what this guy says, what Rabbi Sev Epstein says, is he doesn't know if the Rab- Rabbonim, which are the rabbis, are prepared to fight this because it's a it's a Goliath, okay? And uh, you know they can hear all the testimony and make all the um, the edicts that they want, but when push comes to shove, when the government starts knocking on their doors, they're gonna they gonna cave or are they gonna stand their ground? I guess only time will tell. Okay, let's go with this. This uh, Rabbi Zev Epstein. Rabbi Zev Epstein, and I am not taking the COVID nineteen vaccine. My rebellion, including Hagoyner Rav Eliezer Vachvogel and Hagoyner Rav Malkiel Kotler, abide by this decision. They themselves are not taking the vaccine. Recently, a Kol Kare in Lakewood was released with eighteen signatures discouraging people from getting the shot because there is not enough data to f- prove conclusively that it is safe for everyone. Uh, of the 18 Rabbanim, there are Paiskim from the yeshiva, Rabbanim Chashuvim, and they themselves are not vaccinating. So first of all, we have to look in the aloha of refia. If a doctor made a procedure for someone and he died, is the doctor responsible? And the guy says that he's not liable, he did whatever he, he could, there's insurance, and he's not a chrayas. That's no terrors for eat. Even though if he'll get a badge and he'll be the biggest doctor, he could still be a bigger tzayach also. We do not follow a majority when it comes to matters of sakana. A child that gets COVID, his, his survival rate, I heard this from several doctors, is something like 99.98%. When you read through the article, the links all link back to the CDC's website. There is only one published scientific study. This is what the study says. We did not notice that the vaccine is alarmingly dangerous after looking at 827 women and noticing the outcomes of four months of pregnant women taking the vaccine. We did not notice that it's alarmingly dangerous, no significant uh, concerns, and more research is necessary to make sure. That's what I call the pyramid of trust and reliance. It's coming up to our own doctors who are telling us it's safe, and then our community doctors are telling our Rabbanim it's safe, and we're relying and trusting and relying on trusting. The top of the pyramid has one study that, to my mind, you could drive a truck through this study. Did he ever step foot into an FDA meeting when there's no liability? Did he ever sit at a board meeting of a pharmaceutical company of billions of dollars behind closed doors? If you would only see a little bit of what's happening there, I guarantee you, you would say that Stoyim Va'amaya were grace and tzaddikim compared to them. What happens? We have to know that it's a Isir. It's a Isir and Shekhanurik and Nebenedetim and Hai to make someone an okir. And this could be ma'akir the ge'ila. When we have a halachically compromised medication, there's, there's, there's isur involved, involved in isur. But yet we have another medication that does not have the same halachic reprehensible nature. So certainly there's no hetar to take the one that's usur. We are dealing with, it, with an illness that there are clearly other methods that have successfully treated this, uh, this disease. So I'm not aware of any heter, so to speak, for this vaccine altogether. Okay, a doctor didn't learn properly his, 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 his studies, whatever he has to know, and he made an operation for someone and the guy died. The Rechashulchan says he says, it's very clear that when you didn't have a right to do something and you did it, the guy, the doctor is a pusher to Retzayach. This case for children, there is no hatter to give this refia. It's not a refia for them. I think it's uh, unresponsible for our leaders 
Unfortunately, media covering up the rate of dead people since July. But we know that right after starting to take the vaccine, the rate of death rises almost 50%. So we know that um, the vaccine is harmful. It's totally forbidden to take this vaccine, that it is harmful, it is sakaznefashis. According to the Machaber, to give such a vaccine, it would even probably is considered considered shrichas damen for the doctor himself. I would have to say, the role of the rov, he has to teach Torah. He has to see to it that the town has a shkita and a cheder and a mikvah. And I will add, obviously, he has to see that it's available to every member of the community, and he has to help the unfortunates, the people who are underprivileged. Then a woman who believes that her child was harmed by a vaccine and will not vaccinate her other children and then is hounded out of her school and out of her community. And that is the role of the rabbi, not to have a medical belief and not to have a medical view. The role is to protect the underprivileged. It's called meaningless hatred. Of course you have a reason that you don't like him. Otherwise, why would you hate your fellow Jew? But if it's not the Torah's reason to hate him, if he's not an Avarian Alpi Torah, and the choice not to vaccinate cannot be called an Avarian Alpi Torah because of the Gedoyle Oilam and Paiskim, Roif Paiskim and Lakewood, according to my sources, are telling us that you're not Mechuyiv to vaccinate. And many are discouraging it. So there's no way to say that the person's an Avarian according to Halakha. And therefore, the fox comes and wants to separate the cloud with cunning. The Avishta made a whole public health crisis. That's not the primary crisis, whether you vaccinate or don't vaccinate. It's an unscientific position. It's unjustifiable to view your fellow Yid as a Reutif. It's unjustifiable to view him as a Reutseach. Well, a lot of words there, I don't know. But um, the whole premise is that uh, it's a Jewish responsibility to, to take care of the, under, the underdogs, so to speak, the poor, the, um, the needy, uh, your neighbor, to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, to follow tradition. And it is not a Jewish responsibility to listen to a doctor who may be ill-advised and not knowing what he's talking about. Now, let's go into that for a minute. Um, we've talked on this show before about doctors and and uh, my goodness, I'd hate to be a doctor right now. It's, you know, it's you're between a rock and a hard place, but that's no excuse, really, when you think about it. Um, doctors are only, they're like computers. They're only as good as the information that's fit into them. Okay. You've heard this, the, um, the phrase garbage in garbage out. That's a computer term. If something goes into a computer and it doesn't work right, then it's garbage. Okay. Doctors rely on, they go to uh, symposiums, they go to, uh, different clinics. They, um, I'm talking about clinics where they learn things, not clinics where they work, although they do work in clinics. And, uh, they read uh, a lot of magazines, uh, the, the AMA Journal. Uh, you saw some of them on, online tonight, the uh, uh, Harvard publications and um, John Hopkins, you know. And if these organizations are corrupt, which they are, then they're giving out corrupt information. They're feeding the, gar the doctor garbage, garbage in, garbage out. The doctor only knows what he's been told, Okay. 
Now, some of them have been told you better toe the mark or you're going to lose your license. You're going to lose your income. You're going to, you know, and, you know, follow that all down to Primrose Path. You know, it's, you know, you lose your money and then you lose your house, you lose your car. You may or may not lose your spouse, um, depending on, you know, if there's love in a relationship or not. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that uh, are at stake if a doctor does not comply with the wishes of his superiors. That might be the hospital administrator. It might be the administrator of the, uh, like with Kaiser, the administrator of the um, the whole system. Uh, you know, or who's, who's really under the National Institute of Health, who was under the CDC, who was, you know, uh, who uh, ate the bird, who swallowed the mouse. You know, <laughs> I can't remember that song. I don't know why he swallowed the fly. Um, so I have to look that song up because it, it talks about the, um, the hierarchy, the feeding order that exists everywhere, especially in the medical community. I know like with, when I was a nurse working for the state of Oregon, God help me. Um, you know, I had to answer to, uh, the, the pharmacy manager. Uh, he had to answer to the, um, the person that was in charge of our section of the hospital. They had to answer to the person that was in charge of the whole hospital. Um, the hospital administrator, uh, she had to answer to somebody else and then some, you know, a director maybe of, um, Oregon, uh, Oregon health and then Oregon health ultimately had to answer to Kate Brown who, while you don't know, it really has to answer to, uh, not only the president, but her cronies that are above her, although you'd never know there's cronies above her. Uh, they're not really cronies. They're her, her uh, puppeteers let's put it that way um but she's she's gladly a puppet anyway in this state um so there's a pecking order there really is and uh the doctors aside from the patient who's really down at the bottom the doctor's just a little level above them you know and and, and encumbered by lots of problems lots of what ifs you know so while i don't condone it i don't understand i don't uh, i do understand i it, it it befuddles me kind of like i said i understand but it kind of befuddles me why more doctors don't take the um the uh, the high road now let's just say you're a doctor here in oregon and uh, you know they say don't don't give ivermectin don't give hydroxychloroquine and you order i <laughs> ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine and, you know, of course, uh, hydroxy, uh, ivermectin is for parasites and hydroxychloroquine is for a parasite like malaria. But it's they, they both drugs tend to work in this case, which makes you wonder if it's really a virus, um, you know, because any parasiticals usually don't work for viruses. But anyway, um, neither do antibiotics, <laughs> but uh, and the notes tend to work in combination with some of the anti um, parasiticals. Uh, but so you order this for your patient and like with the hydrochloroquine, it's used with, uh, it's used with, uh, oh, I can't remember, but there's, there are some things that it's used for other than malaria. And um, it's right on the tip of my tongue too. But uh, the last word is erythmosis. That's funny how you can't remember the whole thing. 
Uh, anyway, so you order that for the patient. They don't have a condition that there's, it's labeled for. And your boss comes back and says, hey, you know, the administrator of the hospital or your chief medical officer in the hospital comes back and says, why'd you order that? You know, uh, it's not prescribed or it's not. We don't recognize that as working. And the doctor says, well, you know, that might be so, but I have to agree with you, disagree with you because this patient was deathly ill two days ago and now they're a lot better. So something's working. And then, uh, you know, the chief medical, oh, well, you're a smart ass, huh? Well, let's see. You know, you didn't follow hospital policy, so we're going to sanction you right now, you know. And um, but the doctor knows that it works. So the next person that comes into his office with COVID symptoms, he writes it again. Two or three times, you know, the doctor is out on his ear outside the front door. And, you know, doctors think about stuff like this. But, and I understand the fear. I really do. Because I had that fear, too, being a nurse working for the state. And I just got out of there before they could get to me. <laughs> um, but a doctor, even a doctor, a nurse, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a, a social worker, um, if you move to another state, like a red state like South Dakota or Florida, um, I'm pretty sure you would find it pretty easy to get your license because they'd love to have more uh, medical professionals in those places, you know. Um, so there's always there's always an option, it seems like, anyway. And if there's not, then still there's the, you know, the, the, the moral and ethical thing and you know i had to go with the moral and ethical thing uh not just for covid for several reasons which someday i'll get into with you but um i just you know my out was was retiring okay um and i can always go to work you know working a little here working a little there you know not disabled or anything but um you know it's 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 it totally is, is your, first of all, if your car is more important to you than the health of your patients or your golf club membership or whatever, then you've got serious problems. If your health is more important to you than your, your patients, you know, it used to be a doctor was um, altruistic, you know, a doctor, uh, the, the, the health of the patient was the, all that mattered, you know, all that mattered. And, um, and, and I'd like to hear more from that doctor that wrote to me and said that he's used Dr. Zelenko's, um, his methods, you know, write a letter to me or something, sir. And uh, let's get the dialogue going because I'd love to hear from you and maybe have you on the show. We can use a pseudonym or whatever. I'd like to hear about your experiences and everything else. Um, and that's, that's a real offer. Okay. So, but, uh, so I'm not trying to um, badmouth people like that. Okay, because this this man obviously has the the means to to do what he wants to do to heal patients without getting a lot of flack. And maybe he did get flack. Who knows? I haven't heard the whole story, but um, it's it's morals and ethics to me are are very important. Okay, Um, there was a song by uh, Larry Norman years ago, Righteous Rocker. And. he goes into this whole thing and it, it wasn't morals and values, although it was because it was a song about love. You know, you could be a righteous rocker, a rich young person or a harlot out to sell. You could be uh, 
out to play the blues or be Howard Hughes or the Scarlet Pepper. Now he went in all these people and the whole crux of the thing was if you've got love, you've got nothing without love. You've got nothing. Sorry. Okay. I'll try to edit that out. <laughs> um, it, without love, you, you ain't got nothing. Okay. was the name of the song. And, um, and the same thing is with moral and ethics, I think, because morals and ethics, good ones lead you to love. Because if you have good morals, most most of the time you're probably altruistic. You're probably empathetic, empathic. Um, you care about people. You're usually the epitome of uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself, and sometimes even more the neighbor than yourself. Um, so anyway, I think that um, morals and values fit in right in there. They're they're a part of the uh, the whole love thing okay and uh, they're not a major part of it but it, to me you can't have one without the other I, I don't know maybe I'm wrong but uh, anyway let's see looks like we're done with the video so let's let's hide this thing okay you get to look at my ugly mug again uh, wow it almost been on for two hours huh okay um, anyway, folks, I think this kind of concludes this series. Um, I think that we know that the Jewish community is really starting to boing, wake up. And uh, I don't know if I told you, but um, last year or earlier this year, there's a there's people I used to go to, to to learn things about, I mean, deeper things about Judaism. Okay. And it was called Chabad.org. And there are ultra-Orthodox Jews that uh, are all over the world, actually, but um, mostly in New York and Israel. And uh, so I wrote to them and I said, you know, considering the fact that the Torah says that we shouldn't mix, pardon me, we shouldn't mix um, animals. And taking the shot is exactly that, mixing animals. And that we shouldn't take things in kosher into our body, which the shot does. I mean, if a human baby um, <clears throat> embryo, embryonic cells are in there, it's cannibalism, and that's definitely anti-Torah. But um, if we're not supposed to do those things, then should we take the shot? And they wrote, and I got this rabbi who wrote back to me and brainwashed to the to the tenth degree, and he says, "Well, if the doctor tells you to do it, then you should do it." Okay. And I wanted to write back, well, Dr. Mengele told his patients to do a lot of things, too, and they did it, and look what happened to them. But I was trying to be nice. You know, I didn't want to start off this writing relationship with, you know, cutting his throat, literally, but um, with words, that is. And uh, so I, I, he wrote back, and he says, you know, like I said, the, doc the doctor says to do it, then we have to do it because we have to watch out for our own health and the health of others. Boy, does that sound like a new age uh, branch COVIDian answer, huh? But um, anyway, so uh, I just wrote back to him or to the organization. And I said, you know, given the fact that these vaccines are dangerous and it's been proven and uh, that it's a lot of people are dying from it or getting a serious lifelong events because of the vaccine and and all this other stuff 
I said, are you still of the same opinion that you should just ask your doctor? I said, doctors aren't always right, you know? And the person wrote back to me. I think it was a woman this time and uh, wrote back and said, yes, we're still of the opinion. We have not changed that you should seek medical advice when it comes to the vaccine. And I wrote back and I says, well, I said, I really wouldn't want to be in your shoes when this all comes to a boil and all, you know, it all starts to filter down. I would not want to have the responsibility of sending people to see a doctor and then getting a shot and having them die because of my advice. Okay. Um, that's something I do. I cannot bear on these shoulders and I will not bear on these shoulders. And I don't know. I, I wrote back to them. I haven't received anything else from them. I probably won't. And if I do, it's just going to be some circular reasoning, bovine scatology. And I said, because they were asking me to donate to them because, you know, this one rabbi uh, talks to people and, you know, they were depressed or whatever. And I wrote back and I says, given your stance on, you know, the death jab, I said the COVID-19 vaccine, but, um, and, and it's harm that it does to people and how you've got it so wrong. I says, why should I send any money to your organization? Because if you can't get that thing right, what else are you getting wrong? You know, I, I'm not going to be responsible for you paying you to advise people to go to the doctor and get the death shot. Not going to happen. So like I said, I'll probably never get a letter back from them. If I do, I'll let you know about it. And, uh, it keeps things lively and going on here. <laughs> so uh, um, with the Omicron thing, Omicron, um, don't worry about it. It's just a light flu, if anything, maybe a cold uh, compared to what was going around before. Um, I, I said a long time ago that um, there's a natural progression to um, mutation. And that's what these things do. They mutate. Okay. Now, scientists will tell you, oh, they mutate and they get stronger because they have to overcome this and that. Well, it hasn't been that way, okay? The original COVID-19, from my understanding, was pretty deadly, okay? And it attacked people that, were, you know, had a, a compromised immune systems and stuff like that. Older people that had issues that may, they may not have even known about, Okay. Uh, children survived it, younger people survived it, even up to the age of 50 or 60, people had no problem with it whatsoever. And those people now have natural immunity, okay? The Delta, I think it was the Delta, um, they may try to make a big hype out of it that it was really bad, but it wasn't, okay? It came and went. Now it's the Omicron, which is a little weaker, okay? And I told you guys this, a year ago, if not more, that the natural progression of mutations is to to kill the offender. Okay, let's put it that way. Um, let's let's look at um, supposed evolution. Okay, uh, they tell us that uh, reptiles evolved into birds. Okay. That's kind of hard to believe, first of all, because a bird has a four-chambered heart, a reptile has a two-chambered heart. So there's one change right there, okay? We're talking scales versus feathers. Some scientists will try to get you to believe that scales and feathers are very akin to one another. Well, 
I've pitted reptiles and I've pitted birds, and no, they're not. Um, I don't care what they're made out of, <laughs> you know, the feathers and the and the scales. Um, now, okay, so you're you're a couple of reptiles, you know, and you, your your mate produces an egg and you fertilize the egg and um, or the egg is fertile. I don't know how that works with reptiles, but um, so this egg comes out and it's it's a viable egg. It's alive and it cracks open. The only way for that to work is for the bird to appear out of the egg. And like I said, that's changing the heart structure. It's changing the uh, reptiles are cold-blooded. Birds are warm-blooded. Okay. Uh, it's changing so many things that so many, and remember 99.9999, it just keeps going, percent of mutations are harmful to the animal that is mutated or deadly. Okay. So that means 0.1% of mutations are beneficial. Okay. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? In order for the bird to to be to come out of a reptile egg, would have required hundreds, if not thousands, of mutations that are basically impossible. Now, remember, it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent of mutations are deadly or harmful to whatever. So, if the virus mutates, if it goes by the law of mutation it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Okay. Not worse in virility or anything like that, but it's, it's basically going to burn itself out of existence after a few, few more mutations. If, if it's true, if it's true that they, it is mutating, um, I can't see how amino acids, um, can mutate. <laughs> I really can't. Um, they're telling us that viruses aren't alive. Well, uh, that would be like rocks, um, mutating into uh, clouds, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, well, we all know that the, the whole theory of evolution is built on lies, and even so much so that now they're they're not accepting it much anymore, and they're using cosmic evolution now, that, you know, something come from outer space and, and changed our DNA, okay? Well, then again, you have all these changes that had to take place, you think 4 billion years is going to do it? Probably not. Okay. Anyway, um, so the virus, if anything, is going to get weaker until it just burns itself out. Okay. Which it's, which it's doing. Um, and people are getting immune to it through natural immunity. And I do believe there's herd immunity right now. So there's nothing to worry about, nothing to fear. Like the, Dr. Zelenko said, they use fear. Do not be fearful. Look that dragon in the eye and say, I'm not afraid of you. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kowtow anymore. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to comply. I'm going to be civilly disobedient and I'm not going to wear your stupid mask. And if I go into a store that makes me wear a mask, I'll say, well, depending on what mood I'm in, but if I don't feel right about it, Say, okay, thank you, and walk out. If more people did that, these stores and these chain stores and everything, like Buy Mart and Walmart and everything, would tell the government, hey, we, we can't do this anymore. And you have to change. Especially big corporations, Amazon, Walmart, 
um, you name it, you know who they are. If they stood up to the government, the government would just fold on this whole issue. Okay. So anyway, having said that, I got to get off of this thing. I got to upload it to different places and, and do what I do with uh, the sound and everything else. So, um, folks, it's been a pleasure with doing this series and I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've gotten something out of it. I hope you've seen that, um, not like in World War II or pre pre-war Germany, where the Jews just kind of rolled over <clears throat> and went to concentration camps. There are there are Jews that are fighting against this, uh, and they're the religious Jews. Okay, uh, there's me and other other people that I know, Jewish heritage, that are fighting against this. So, um, and I know that the Gentiles are fighting against it tooth and nail, and together. We'll win this thing. We'll beat the bastards and we'll bury them. Metaphorically speaking. Okay. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he, may, may he make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he watch your going out, your coming in, your rising up, and your lying down. May he give you true peace, the peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' holy name, Yeshua's holy name. Amen and amen. Good night, everybody.